0: Chapter 48 of The Principles of Economics with Applications to Practical Problems This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read for you by Chiquito Crasto. The Principles of Economics with Applications to Practical Problems by Frank Albert Fetter. Chapter 48. Banking and Credit. Part 1. Functions of a Bank 1. A bank is a business whose income is derived chiefly from lending its promises to pay. Banks have passed through many changes in the past three centuries. Originating on the street corner for exchange of money, they have evolved into great institutions of many forms and performing many functions. The definition seems paradoxical, but it expresses what in modern thought is the essential feature of a bank, the lending of its credit, A reserve of money is needed by the man of business. But for the banks, each man would have to keep his reserve in his own till. Except the small sum needed for current users, a bank can keep this reserve more economically than individuals can. It has the advantages of large production similar to those of a large factory. The process of lending credit is called deposit and discount. It grew out of the deposit of actual money for safekeeping, and the loaning to borrowers by the method of discounting their notes. The term now has a somewhat different meaning, for a merchant may obtain a deposit today without putting any money in the bank. He gets the bank to discount his notes or collateral security, and to enter the sum to his credit as a deposit. He becomes a depositor by borrowing, not by lending to the bank. The sum is under the borrower's control. He can check it out when he wishes, but he usually keeps a certain balance to his credit. The bank's gain is larger than ordinary interest because it gets a discount on the large sums left in its possession. The bank increases its funds also by attracting deposits from those who do not care to borrow. 2. Functions not essential to banking are ordinary money lending, money changing, exchange to distant points, safe deposit, and issue of banknotes. Banks often lend in the ordinary way, allowing borrowers to draw the money out at once, but this is not the business they prefer. Many individuals and corporations such as endowed charities, colleges, insurance companies lend great sums of their own money without thereby partaking in any degree of the peculiar character of banking. Money changing. The exchange of coins of different countries is done by banks, but likewise by many other agencies not sharing the essential banking character. Foreign and domestic exchange is the issue, and cashing of drafts for money payments between distant places. Most banks are well fitted to perform this function, but some banks do not undertake it, and it is performed also by some business houses that are not banks. Safe deposit is the keeping of things to be returned in identical form, as silverware, notes, and papers. By banks in small towns, this is sometimes done freely, sometimes for a slight charge, but in large cities, safe deposit vaults are generally quite unconnected with banks. Even bank note issue is not essential to banking, Most banks in the United States issue no notes, others issue very few. All these functions may be united under one management, but the essential banking function is deposit and discount. 3. The income of banks is derived from discounts, interest on their own capital, charges for exchange and collection, rents on investments, and profit from the loan of their bank notes. The income of banks is drawn from different sources, according to the size of the community, and the nature of the banks. While in the villages and smaller cities they perform a number of functions, in the larger cities they usually specialize in a far greater degree. Like every other enterprise, a bank must start in business with some paid-up capital as a guarantee of credit. Further security is afforded by the limited liability of shareholders for losses in proportion to their capital stock. The same amount of money could be loaned with less trouble and more cheaply without starting a bank, but used as a banking capital, a part of it can be loaned while still serving to attract money deposits. Charges to smaller customers for exchange are a source of income to some banks, but in many cases this service is freely performed for regular customers and becomes a considerable expense. Banks make few investments in real estate or other physical property. It is in fact their duty to keep out of ordinary enterprises, but they are forced sometimes to take for unpaid debts things that have been held as security. Profits on banknotes have at times been the main, possibly the sole, motive for starting banks. But that is not the case today, when the right of issue is so strictly limited. 4. Banks are productive economic agents performing important industrial services. False ideas have long been entertained about the magic power of banks to produce wealth from nothing. To many, banks are a mystery, much like paper money. Their opponents sometimes have... Pictured them as vampires fattening on the blood of industry. That they have shown abuses at times is undeniable, but like other economic agents, they are to be judged by their net efficiency. The bank is a tool performing services similar to those of money. For some purposes, money is an awkward and costly agent in comparison with banks. For remitting payments from New York to San Francisco or Hong Kong, money is a medieval device. Money can more safely be entrusted to a bank than to a strong chest in one's own house. The man who refused to make use of banks in this day would isolate himself economically and would soon find himself out of any but the smallest business. He could no more get along without banks than without the post, the telegraph, or the telephone. The gathering of loanable funds by the banks makes them available at once, reduces hoarding, makes money move more rapidly, and creates a central market between borrowers and lenders for the sale of credit, while not creating more physical wealth directly. It adds to the efficiency of wealth. It oils the bearings of the industrial machine. To abolish banks would be to destroy labor-saving machinery. Banks perform, incidentally, a further service in developing better business methods in the community. In supplying credit to active business, banks are constantly passing judgment on the collateral security presented to them and on the solidity of the enterprises they are seeking support. They enforce promptness and exactitude in business dealings because in their public nature banks are very analogous to money they have always been looked upon as properly subject to more supervision than most private business and government has always exercised a considerable measure of control over them sometimes for good sometimes for evil part two typical bank money one typical bank money consists of notes issued by banks on the credit of their general assets without special regulation by law as no two leading countries have quite the same system of bank notes The subject is a difficult one. It is well to begin, therefore, with a clear conception of typical bank money unregulated by government. Such a form of note is one with which few now living in the United States have had any experience, as the present national bank notes differ in essential ways from the typical form. Typical bank notes are notes issued by banks as a means of loaning their credit. The borrower, instead of receiving a credit balance, at the bank subject to check, gets notes which he hands on to other men these notes are returned for redemption to the issuing bank as soon as anyone wishes specie in their stead. The limit of the issue of such notes is the need of the community for that form of money, and if they are promptly redeemed in gold on demand, they can never exceed that amount. A holder of a note, in the absence of special regulations, has the same claim on the bank that a depositor has. As it is to the interest of the bank to keep in circulation as many notes as possible, there is a temptation to abuse the power of note issue, to which many banks yielded in the period of so-called wildcat banking before the Civil War. 2. Banknotes are viewed by some as a form of commercial credit. Typical banknotes are not legal tender, and every one has the legal right to take or refuse them as he pleases. It is therefore said by some that banknote issue is of no special concern to the state, that it can safely be left to individual self-interest. It is said that if one has little faith in a note, he may refuse to accept it. But in reality, every one is compelled to take the money that is current. The average citizen cannot know the credit of distant banks and thus has not the same power of judging wisely in taking bank notes that he has in making deposits in the bank of his own neighborhood. Between bank notes and ordinary promissory notes, there are other differences of a nature pretty generally recognized. Bank notes pass without endorsement and thus depend on the credit of the bank alone, not like checks. On the credit of the person from whom received. They yield no interest to the holder. They are intended to be used as money and are so used. Thus they come near to paper money in their nature, and the banks are near to exercising the right of coinage. 3. By others, bank notes are considered to be almost identical with government paper money. Some opponents of banknote issue declare that it is a usurpation of the prerogatives of government and that no power but the sovereign state should issue money. While many in America today hold this view, the comparison probably is false and strained. Typical bank notes, unlike incontrovertible paper money, depend on their value on the credit of the bank and not on their legal tender quality and on political power. They must be redeemed on penalty of insolvency. Government notes need not be and yet will circulate at par if properly limited. While these differences mark off government paper money pretty sharply from typical bank notes, It must be noted that in many cases, actual bank note issues have been far from this typical form. In the days of wildcat banking, bank notes were issued in excess and fell below par. Yet the man in a western community, who dared to ask the bank to redeem the notes in specie, was not only frowned on by the bank, but condemned by the public, which felt that business was endangered by such a demand. Redemption on demand would have required a reduction of the amount of money in circulation and would have caused a fall in prices. Inflation of the bank currency went on with results almost identical with those following an excessive issue of government paper money. Not formal law, but public opinion made such banknotes essentially political money. 4. The public nature of bank money has led to many forms of public regulation of their issues. Banknotes thus stand midway in their economic nature between political money and private notes, sharing something of the character of each. An extreme analogy in either direction is misleading. It is of great social importance that the circulating medium should be reliable. The least possible amount of the citizen's energy and thought should be required to decide whether the money is good or bad. Nevertheless, those opposed to state interference in industry declare that if the citizen is not left to look out for himself, the growth of stupidity will be encouraged. And they say that it is no more essential for the state to guarantee the quality of banknotes than the quality of woollen cloth or of sugar. Few, however, take so extreme a view, and it is generally held that it is a function of the state to ensure in a greater or less degree the quality of the money in circulation. The actual banknotes of the leading countries are thus of many varieties. The Canadian notes are the most nearly typical banknotes issued today, those of germany come next while those of the united states have little of the typical character the banks of the united states today one the three forms of banks in the united states are private state and national anyone with a little capital may become a private banker there are curbstone brokers in almost every town and some of the great financial houses are private banks but the law will not allow this to go very far Some states will not allow a man to put up a sign announcing himself as a banker unless he complies with certain banking laws. In some states, even private banks are subjected to the same inspection as the state banks and are required to make the same reports to the state officials. State banks are those organized under special state banking laws. They are usually subject to inspection by state bank commissioners, must make regular reports, and are required to comply with certain rules as to their reserves, rates, and investments. In any case, they do not issue bank notes because the national laws now tax the notes of state banks so heavily that they are unprofitable. National banks, the largest and most important portion of our banking system, were authorized by law in 1863 during the Civil War. They are subject to stricter regulation and inspection than our other banks, and that regulation is perhaps an advantage to them as it strengthens public confidence in their stability. Yet this regulation does not insure the depositors against loss, as some national banks fail every year. They may be organized with $25,000 capital in towns of less than 3,000 population, with $50,000 in towns of less than 6,000, with $100,000 in cities of less than 50,000, and with $200,000 in larger cities. 2. Our national bank notes have no essential mark of typical bank money. The one marked peculiarity of the national banks of the United States as compared with those of other countries is their mode of note issue. They perform all the other functions of banks, essential and unessential, and perform them well. But the issue of bank notes is optional with them, and some of them do not issue any bank notes. The legal condition to their issue is that bonds of the United States shall be purchased in the open market and deposited with the treasurer of the United States. Until 1900, notes might be issued only to 90% of the value of the bonds deposited, but now they may be issued up to the par value of the bonds. The notes being secured by the value of the bonds rest on the credit of the government, not on the credit of the bank. These notes are not promptly sent back for redemption to the banks issuing them, as is done by typical bank notes. They may circulate thousands of miles away from the bank that issued them, and for years after that bank has gone out of business they are not an elastic currency increasing or diminishing with the needs of business the changes in their amount depend upon the chance of the banks to make more or less in this way than any other use of their capital and this in turn depends largely on the price of bonds and on the rate of interest they bear from eighteen hundred and sixty four to eighteen hundred and seventy fortunes were made from this source but in recent years there has been little opportunity of gain from note issues Our present bank note issues are not on a logical basis and satisfy no one entirely. They are of importance neither to the bank, to which they afford little or no profit, nor to the public, for which they do a service equally well by silver certificates, greenbacks, or coins. Along with the discussion of the currency has gone, since eighteen ninety six, a vigorous discussion of the banking system. The two problems are so closely related that a change in the one suggests readjustment of the other. One extreme plan is to abolish banknotes entirely and to replace them with additional issues of greenbacks. The other extreme plan is to authorize the issue of almost typical banknotes. A modification of the Canadian banking system, which has great merits, is held up for imitation. Bills have been repeatedly before Congress authorizing the maintenance of a general guarantee fund with which the notes of failed banks could be redeemed, and at the same time authorizing branch banks such as those in Canada. Public sentiment has never strongly favored this plan, however, and there is more likelihood of the passage of a bill providing for emergency notes in times of financial stress after the plan followed in Germany. That the control of banking is an important duty of government is the conclusion of the practical world. The various banking systems of the leading countries embody different plans for the one purpose of the adequate control of banking in the public interest. Government control of banknotes is felt to be of the same nature as factory inspection, that is to be a protective measure when public interests are at stake and private interests conflict with them. Government acts to forbid one citizen from doing harm and to protect other citizens from injury End of chapter forty eight read for you by Chiquito Croster, Birmingham, Alabama.